What's up? How you doing? This is Med with Shots from the Sidelines coming in from Bluffton, South Carolina in the man cave. And I am right across from the man, the myth, the legend. Let's hear it for some Seth Foster. Quite a welcoming. Thank you very much, Med. Great to be back. I'm ready to go Sean Payton on some people tonight. Are you ready to go Sean Payton on some people? <laughs> I thought we passed that now. <laughs> no, I'm calling everybody out tonight. <laughs> Why not? Uh, today on the show, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing a few things on uh, the leadoff. We'll be hitting up injuries in training camp and how they will be impacting the fantasy football landscape. We have over and under on wins uh, as far as like the SEC and other major colleges. And, you know, right now, for instance, the Gamecocks are sitting at six and a half, which kind of shocked me a little bit. And uh, Jonathan Taylor wanting out of Indy and the whole Jim Ursa feud that's going on but one of the big things that's going on right now is uh college football realignment and it's just crazy right now it just seems like uh really and truthfully that colorado was just a match that just lit the powder keg and you know last year i i didn't even know i forgot that usc and ucla were going to be leaving to go join the big 10 but you know What's your ideas on some of this going on? Man, I can't even keep up with it. I mean, every day I wake up and it's something different. You know, rumors of this happening and that happening. You know, talking about four other Pac-12 teams going to the Big Ten. You know, yesterday, what was it, Clemson and Florida State looking to jump out of the ACC. Mm-hmm. It's just every day something new. And, I mean, of course, you have Oklahoma and Texas coming over next year to the SEC. So, I mean, it's looking like it's heading towards what they were predicting couple years ago you know the the super conferences where there's yeah. just a couple super conferences and i mean like we we're talking about before the show i'm just not a big fan of losing those natural rivalries uh you know obviously ucla and usc will stay together in the same conference but you know they won't be playing oregon anymore they won't be playing washington anymore utah it just it, it bothers me you know that you lose those rivalries and not to mention the travel time the cost oh god yeah flying cross country you know, for every other week for an away game, it just, it makes no sense to me. It's it's a lot of money. And it's not only that. I mean, it's, you know, as far as like college sports go, you're not just talking about football and basketball. Whenever you're talking about expenses, you're talking about the Olympic sports, your track and field, your gymnastics, your fencing, your swimming teams and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. That still takes money for them to actually fly across country to go there. And you touched up on the point, uh, just like a little clarification of what's going on. Basically right now, the PAC 12 is getting cannibalized, yeah. like hardcore. And besides USC, UCLA, and just recently Colorado, uh, right now there are five other schools that are lo- may be rumored to be leaving there. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, Oregon, and Washington. And, of course, Oregon and Washington are at the top of the list. I mean, at that point, you're looking at Two. probably just, what, Three, four teams left. Right. Two of your, like, four or five premier teams. You know, when you think Oregon and Washington, I mean, that's just two of the staples of that conference. Yeah. Uh, And, of course, losing USC and UCLA, I mean, that's just, I don't know what they're going to do. Where can they possibly go? Because talking about teams like San Diego State, you know, like, possibly entering, replacing those teams, I'm like, yeah. That's just kind of a joke, if you ask me. I know, and I agree with that. I mean, that that's kind of up there with the Big Ten when they were sitting there, uh, or not Big Ten, but the Big 12, when they bragged about the fact that the University of Houston is now uh, a member of the Big 12, and it's right. like, oh, okay. Right, you're losing yeah. Oklahoma and Texas, and you're trying to save face with teams like Houston, you know, Cincinnati, which are decent teams, yeah. but, you know, not, they're not tra- Oklahoma, traditional powerhouses. Yeah, they're not going to bring the money, and, you know, and that's really what is going on right now, and how you touched up on the fact that, you know, as far as like regional rivalries and stuff, mm-hmm. a big part of that. I mean, me being someone that was in North Carolina for a lot of my teenage years, I grew up watching Duke, UNC and Maryland playing mm-hmm. each other. I mean, you talking about heat it. And as soon as Maryland left and went to the big 10, it's like, you know, the fans forgot up about. there. Yeah. I mean, they, they really can't get hyped for, right. you know, that matchup against Ohio state and Indiana when you had to back a road right down the street. Right. I mean, I haven't heard a blip from Maryland in years. You know, they'll have a decent team every once in a while, but I couldn't tell you, you know, what they've done the last five years. You know, just a mediocre program that's kind of forgotten about. They used to be a really good ACC team, basketball, football. So, yeah, that's a shame that they left the ACC to begin with. But like you were talking about, I mean, the money deals, the TV deals, if the ACC doesn't do something, it's going to be the same for them. you got Florida State and Clemson looking around. 
Yeah. I mean, that's your two premier teams right there. And I did a little research on this as far as like how the money goes. And like, like I just said, greed is just destroying the landscape. I mean, you kind of want to have, you're not really going to get a rivalry when you have, uh, West Virginia playing University of Houston. You just don't have that natural hate that you would really feel for, you know, a person that's right down the street. But as far right. as the money goes, uh, details came out that the Pac-12 released uh, some, you know, how much they were going to pay to schools and everything. It was only $20 million a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for they're, what they're getting you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were saying Colorado is actually losing money, which yeah. I don't know how true that is. But yeah, like you said, Colorado, that kind of sparked everything. And now it's just, spread like wildfire so it's, it's gonna be crazy see what happens i mean right now it's just a lot of rumors a lot of innuendo but i mean i wouldn't shock me for a lot of it to happen pretty soon well the power five combined for 3.3 billion dollars in revenue last year yes. and you know just to give you a little something uh colorado is leaving a a conference that was going to pay him 20 million dollars where the big 12 is going to be paying 42.6 hmm SEC, 44.6. That's a real easy decision. Big 10, 58.8. Jeez. ACC, 38.1. And San Diego State, it's kind of amazing how you're saying this because I was reading up on them and the Mountain West, of course, is telling them like, hey, you're going to pay us $17 million to get out of here. But they're only paying the team 17, uh, not 17, but 7 million a year. And I mean, you're like... What? Yeah, it's a decent program, but I mean, where they seat like 35,000, 40,000 in their stadium. Exactly. It just, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just a traditionalist. You know, I just like seeing the regional matchups, and it looks like we're going to lose a lot of those. But, you know, as long as the SEC stays strong and keeps it in the South, I, you know, I could really care less overall. And, you know, and Ch- uh, Commissioner Sankey actually believes in the whole regional rivalries and everything too. So that's, that's that. I mean, if anything, if there are two schools that, you know, I would say dump that aren't really in our region, it'd be Missouri and Oklahoma. I hate to say it like that. Well, Missouri never really made sense. I didn't really understand that decision when they brought them. Obviously Mm -hmm. Texas A&M has been a good addition, but Missouri, you know, they just don't have the following, the fan support that these other programs have. I'd love a way to work in Clemson and Florida state, but you know, when you start adding all these teams, you're you're not going to be playing, you know, your traditional rivals every single year. Right. You might play a few every year, but it might be two or three years before you see, you know, like Tennessee and South Carolina, for instance, don't play next year. And, right. you know, it might be a couple of years before we see them again. But but they're right there. Yeah. And, I mean, border states. you're still going to be talking smack. You're still going to be like, hey, we'll see you next year, stuff like that. And you don't really do that if they're mm-hmm. not, like we said, Maryland and Indiana. So. But uh, staying on the college f- uh, football front before we move into the NFL, let's talk about the over and under win totals involving the SEC and some other major colleges. Uh, I got a couple numbers right here as far as like wins that they're expecting them to. And this is right up Seth's alley because the man likes to throw money at good bets. Yeah, I love over-unders. And uh, so good stuff. I'm going to just throw out a few for you. And I got some from other schools as well. I had to put in Colorado because, you know, prime. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Bama is sitting at 10.5. What do you think? 10.5. It's a little high in my eyes. Yeah. Oh, man. The quarterback situation just scares me a little too much to go, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 11 wins with Alabama. Uh, I think they'll get to 10, but it's too iffy. I couldn't make myself pull the trigger on the – on the over on that one. I, I, I kind of agree with that. I do know that Ty Simpson is kind of the leader right now as far as that goes, but yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, they've got three pretty good choices, but not a lot of experience, you know, between exactly. between the main two. I mean, obviously, the guy coming over from Notre Dame has some experience, but right. he's been injury prone. So, yeah, I would probably go under on that one. Georgia, 11.5. I can't do it. I can't I either. I, I just feel like somebody's going to – come up and bite them this year they're they're so good you know it if there's one team that i would take that over with on that one it would be georgia but i can't go over on it i this don't year. think they're gonna have a perfect season it, it, it just it just it, doesn't feel yeah, like teams it. don't just do that three years in a row but i don't know i can't go over on that one i go under lsu 9.5 i like that one actually I agree with you on that one. I feel like they probably lose to Bama because I've told you I, I think Bama mm-hmm. wins the West, but I think 
I think they're I going think to roll Tim wins is else. where LSU is going to be. Yeah. They've got a loaded team. Tennessee. Your heart. Your heart. Man. It's hard Nine. not to be biased on this one. Nine, Nine games. Mm. You do have some cream puffs on the outside. So that's three wins right there. Yeah, give me give me the non. Give I'll, the I'll nine. take it. Go for yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I think they obviously lose to Georgia uh, and Alabama, the two I have them losing to, but it's going to be tough. Uh, I think they'll still get it at 10 wins. And the school that your daughter is at, USC, 6.5. Man. And I looked at that schedule, and I was like, okay, I could kind of see it. But at yeah. the same time, I mean, they've built so much in the last two years so quickly. I think a few weeks ago, it was like actually at five and a half, and then it moved to six. So if it went to six and a half recently, uh, I think I would still have to go under with the six. You know, if it was five and a half, I would definitely go over. Yes. But that schedule is pretty tough. Up in North Carolina, obviously Georgia, Tennessee, you know, it's just – Yeah, that first Texas half is just brutal. It is brutal. And you know, and the reason why it went up from 5.5 to 6.5 is because a lot of people saw that. Oh, yeah. Jumped Everybody jumped on, on it. it. But it's such a tough schedule. It's nothing against South Carolina. I think Beamer's done a great job there. And I really am big on them the following year. I think they have a good core of recruits that he's brought in, especially on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I just think this season they lost so much to the transfer portal. Uh, portal. It's just going to be a lot of inexperience at first. So I think that first half of the schedule is going to be tough for them. Until they get, you know, some some time under their belts. Right. So. so stepping out of the SEC, because I talked about the teams that we actually care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clemson, 9.5. Ooh, Clemson only 9.5. I think I'd have to go over on that. I, I mean, think Clemson, I like the quarterback. I know he doesn't have much experience, but watching him in the Orange Bowl. He's better than what they had. Yeah, he, he's got talent for sure. And the quarterback really held them back uh, last year, you know, really last year and a half. So Clemson, I think they still have much more talent than probably any team in that division. You know, Florida State's catching up. But I think we look just at a talent standpoint and look at their schedule, 10 wins is definitely doable for them. I would take 10. All right. Notre Dame, 9.5. Notre Dame. (laughs) Mm. I don't know what it is. I I still don't trust that coach. And Hartman's coming over from Wake Forest, so they obviously have a proven quarterback. I just don't – you know, that's not really a gunslinger offense, so I don't know how how well he's going to adjust. I think I would go under at nine with Notre Dame. I agree. These these numbers are tough, though. I mean, there's a reason Vegas makes so much money. Well, (laughs) you're about to hear a real tough one because I'm going to hit you with two at the same time. Ohio State University and Michigan – 10.5 10.5 each. Man, that is tough. So, because you know where that point five is coming from is that very last game where they play each right. other. Yep. I mean, obviously it's given one of them's going to lose that game. So I would say Michigan for the over, Ohio State for the under because of that. So you like Ohio, you like Michigan better than Ohio State this year. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just feel like the last Ryan two Day years. Is so good of a coach, though. <laughs> The last two years, Michigan's knocked them off, even though they're the underdog. Give me Ohio State going over, Michigan going under. I like that. I just thought about it, too. It's tough. Didn't didn't, didn't John Harbaugh just get suspended, by the way? Yeah, he did. What is it, the first four or six games? games. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Harbaugh, obviously, is a great coach, and they have a decent amount of talent, but like we talked about a couple weeks ago, they don't have elite talent like Ohio State has, so it's a testament they've beaten Ohio State the last two years. I just don't think they can make it three. So... Coach Prime, first mm-hmm. year in Colorado, got a whole bunch of transfers, so it's kind of hard to really read up on this team. But mm-hmm. the Colorado Buffaloes, 3.5. Give me the over. <laughs> I, I just, I'm not a huge uh, believer that they're just going to quickly turn around there, but I think he's going to show significant improvement with that. You know, all those transfers they brought in. They brought in a ton of guys with SEC experience. I mean, obviously the chemistry is going to be an issue at first, but I think he can get to at least four. Maybe five wins. I have a hard time really looking at that because mm-hmm. every single game and I looked at their schedule is a Pac-12 game. That's hard to believe. They don't have an hour of conference game? No. Oh, I did God. not. And I think the if there is, it's literally one where it's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to under then. I, I want to go over because I believe in prime, but yeah. I just, mm, I don't know. That number just, you see that three and a half, you just assume – that he can get that many wins. I, I think he can get three. 
I want to I want to say you can get four or five, like you said. But I was looking at that schedule and I was like, I bit my lip and everything. But out of all these teams that we just actually talked about, LSU, mm-hmm. uh, possibly, I mean, USC would be iffy. I like Michigan because I just don't think they, you know, I haven't really heard much uh, about who is taking C.J. Stroud's space, uh, place in the Ohio, Buckeye, Ohio State Buckeyes. I am Great stumbling. receiving core. I mean, amazing receiving core, whoever's throwing it to him. Brian Day. and I mean, his offense is just electric. But a uh, ton of talent on defense. So if the quarterback can step in and even be close to what Stroud did, they'll be fine. Yeah, and, you know, it's just crazy to really talk about uh, some of the stuff that's going on and everything. But um, one of the other things that's really crazy right now is injuries in the training camp and how they're impacting fantasy football right now. And one of the biggest ones right now, Joe Burrow, of course, hurt his calf. He'll be out for at the most seven weeks. But it's not necessarily just what's going to be affecting just people that would actually draft him. You can Mm -hmm. always stash and put him in your back and on your bench and just let him ride. But Jamal Chase, you know, yeah. T Higgins, right. Boyd, Tyler Boyd, uh, even Joe, Joe Mixon. Milton. Yeah. Yeah. Mixon. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big, you know, you're talking about like what, maybe two or three games he's going to miss mm-hmm. at the most. I mean, the thing about fantasy is what only the first, uh, 14 weeks are actually regular season. Correct. So then you're going to the playoffs week 15. To me, that bumps them down just a little bit, you know, just a tick. I mean, I don't think you're going to lose much, but I think Jamar Chase might go from being a top five pick to maybe a fringe top 10 pick. And then with Burrow, I don't know about you, but I saw him as like maybe the third, fourth quarterback taken. Maybe now that drops him down just to maybe like five or six. But you know, with that injury, they got pretty fortunate. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. It would have been terrible because I, I love Joe Burrow. And uh, two, okay, talking about another quarterback, they ain't going to be picked quite as high. Uh, Russell Wilson lost two of his targets for this season. We all know about Tim Patrick, mm-hmm. another ACL injury. injury. Yep. Just, you know, <laughs> retire. Right, ground all um, day with him. Go ahead and just call it a career. And uh, K.J. Hamler actually got diagnosed with a heart condition, so he will be out for the year. God, that's tough. Man, the first week, two guys going down. I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, uh, golly, Russell Wilson, it just it seems like he's been jinxed ever since he left Seattle. <laughs> I mean, they still have Judy. Uh, you know, you still have Cortland Sutton, Sutton out there. But, man, losing two of your four. That's rough. Oh. So, yeah, I mean, I would definitely – not that I would ever think about picking – uh, Russell Wilson after last year, <laughs> but to me that probably drops him down, uh, maybe like out of the top twelve quarterbacks, maybe like around you know like fifteen or something. And this one I really only put in here because of something else that's going up in an indie, and it's Zach Moss broke his forearm mm. and will be I out heard for that. yeah four to six weeks. Man, I like I like to dig in quite to the end. Yeah, but last uh, yeah, at the last minute he uh, basically is. Uh, was being looked at as the se- the backup premier backup behind Jonathan Taylor, who is having his own issues. Mm-hmm. But and we'll just go ahead and touch up on that. There is basically a blood feud going on up in Indy right now between Jim Irsay and Jonathan Taylor to yeah. the point where Jonathan Taylor wants out. Jim Irsay says, "I'm not going to trade him." And in fact, I got a quote right here that says. If Jim Irsay said this on a X, formerly of Twitter, by the way, <laughs> if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one is going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes, and it's a privilege to be a part of it. No. Irsay, he never knows when to shut up. I mean, he just always makes these you know, just outlandish statements, kind of like Jerry Jones. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they just want to make it about themselves a lot of times. Uh, I mean, I know it's gotten pretty heated between those two. And just like last week when we were talking about running backs, this is an earth situation where Taylor has shown what he can do. He's shown his worth and he wants to get paid. And these owners just don't, they're not going to cave on it. So I'm not surprised Irsay said that. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're talking about your best player. Yeah. So, you know, you've got a quarterback coming in that has 
obviously no experience. Has a cannon. Has a cannon, but no accuracy or hasn't proven he has accuracy. So you would think you'd be leaning big time on Jonathan Taylor. I don't know why you would make that kind of statement, you know, and tick off your your top guy. But I don't know. It's Jim Irsay, so. At the same time, I mean, I could look at, I mean, this is the guy that got rid of Marshall Falk and brought in Edger and James. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people were like, what is this guy thinking? You know, and it turned out to be a really good move. Yeah, yeah. He has made some good moves. I mean, the Colts, you know, when Peyton moved on, you know, everybody thought, you know, what the heck? You know, you're losing Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning, you know, they're going to be down for a while. And they turned around and got Andrew Luck and we're still playoff team. So I'm not saying he's a bad owner. He just a lot of times let Jerry Jones was just making it about himself too much. Yep. So, I mean, I hope they work out a deal because Jonathan Taylor is a heck of a player, even with the one season with injuries, you know, it's been a good. And I think that's, and I think that's really what it is is last year. He had a lot of issues with his injuries and everything like that. And whenever, you know, you have to, like we've talked about last show is that with the running back position, they just get beat up. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to really guarantee $50 million to someone over four years, say. Yeah, I mean, who else are they know? paying? I mean, exactly. you got Richardson on a rookie deal, a quarterback, so you're yeah. not paying a quarterback. So Michael <laughs> Michael Pittman, I think, is still on his rookie contract. Yeah, I mean, who are you paying, mm-hmm. or say, just, just open up the checkbook? Just a little bit. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for right now. As far as this goes, we'll be going on to the six-pack which we'll be discussing the NFC West. We're going to love this one. Yeah. <laughs> be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and we're going to be getting into the six-pack. Seth, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Nice and cold. I can't wait to cold. open them up. Let's pop this first one open, bro. All right. So, Seth, tell me if you heard this before. The Cardinals are starting over again and are introducing a new head coach and GM. There is not a lot of optimism right now in the Red Nation right now. And the franchise face, Kyle Murley, he's a question mark on when he will return after undergoing surgery to repair an ACL tear. His top target, DeAndre Hopkins, is no longer there on the team and is now in Tennessee where the receivers' careers go die eventually. On defense, Saka Allen and Brian Murphy both left via free agency, while J.J. Watt retired to cap off a Hall of Fame career. The one plus I can think of is Buda Baker, their defensive leader, is coming back after a contract dispute which has been resolved. Is there anything that the Cardinals fans can look forward to other than possibly getting the number one pick next year? Not that I can think of. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they have drafted some young talent on defense, especially in the front seven, linebackers, edge players. The last couple of years, they had a pretty good draft, actually. You know, not a lot of huge names, but um, you know, got Paris Johnson, offensive lineman. So I think besides that number one draft pick last, next season, you're just looking at getting these guys some good experience, you know, just getting their feet wet. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get with Kyler, even when he is on the field. Uh, you know, you're paying him a ton of money, but he's had been out there half the time. I mean, you still have a aging James Conner who's fragile himself, had a decent season last year before he got hurt. He's still there. I mean, it, you know, Hollywood Brown, he seems like he stays hurt a lot. He never has really lived up to the hype uh, every season. You know, talk about, you know, he's going to have a breakout season. Uh, I mean, Buda Baker, I love. Buda Baker's one of the best young secondary players in the league. Love Buda. Uh, they drafted a tight end last year, Trey McBride, out of Colorado State, and he did okay, you know, kind of backing up Zach Ertz, but nothing special. Uh, I didn't really like their draft too much last year. Just Kingsbury just made some bad decisions, not just the draft, but just roster management. And, you know, he just got in over his head after it looked like he had, you know, things on the right track. Uh, so bringing in Jonathan Gannon uh, from Philadelphia, Really young head coach, a defensive-minded head coach. So, you know, they're going to try it again with another young guy, but this time they're going to lean more heavily on the defense from the looks of it. So I don't think they have much to look forward to, really, besides just some young players getting experience. Yeah, and I think they're going to take a pounding, like you said. Oh, yeah. The first two picks, uh, Paris Johnson, great pick. I wish that we would have actually gotten them. Uh, But, you know, we got 
Darnell White. Mm-hmm. And they also picked up an edge rusher in BJ Aju Jari. Yeah, I love him. LSU. Yep. Mm-hmm. And also got Owen Papo from uh, Auburn, good linebacker. So, yeah. yeah, they've got some linebackers and edge players. You know, JJ Watt obviously retiring, opened up a spot. It just, they should have some money to spend, I would think, next season. You know, just kind of got to, you got to be patient. I mean, I think the fans probably understand that. It's not fun, but that's just, in the NFL, you can get back in two or three years and be respectable. So, just and, take your lumps. And another guy that they actually drafted this past uh, NFL draft was actually Clayton Toon uh, from Houston, who actually had a pretty decent career down there in Houston. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, of course, he's not going to be anyone that really sets fire, but everyone said at the same time the same thing about Tom Brady when he first came in. They yep. just saw him as someone that could you know, do spot work every now and then. And, I mean, overall, like you said, there's just really not a whole lot of optimism going on there. Besides Paris Johnson, I looked at their offensive line. I don't think there was one guy that was under the age of 30. Uh, you know, they really have an issues at running back. They only have James Conner, and I'm not really a big James Conner guy. Uh, no, I got a couple of young guys that haven't really done too much. Yeah, they'll they'll probably spread the spread it between three backs. But yeah, I, I don't see them winning more than three at the most four games this year, which will put them right in line for that number one selection. Yep, and we'll talk about what they're going to do with that number one selection in a little bit. Yes, we will. Number two. That one was a little bit louder, but it's all good because the L.A. Rams, not to be outdone by the cards, the Rams are about to pay the piper after having the worst season ever for a team that has won the Super Bowl previously the year before. Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, and Leonard Floyd are just three of the names on defense that is returning just three starters last year. Those guys are gone. Yep. Matthew Stafford is now 35 and missed eight games last season due to arm problems. They do seem to have their understudy in place. Another dog. <laughs> and two-time champ Stetson Bennett and Cooper Cup should be ready by the start of preseason coming off an ankle injury. Also, this is the season we find out how good of a coach Sean McVay is. He is a he has a winning record right now in his seven years of sixty seven and forty one, but in my opinion, a lot of those wins were bought with trades with high draft picks for proven stars that have either left the team or too old to contribute as effectively as before. This may also be Aaron Donald's last ride, capping a stellar career that saw him get a record three defensive players of the years and seven All Pro honor years. After this season, do you think the Rams should blow it up and or stick it out, take some lumps, and rebuild over time? Uh, I mean, I think they should blow it up, but I don't think they will blow it up. I think in a city like that, with a stadium like that, uh, and a coach like Sean McVay, they're not going to just blow it up. You know, they're going to try to uh, salvage what they have. You know, they still have a few good core pieces like Donald, like Cup, but. You know, it's just their offseason was a little perplexing to me. You know, they didn't go full tank mode, but obviously uh, getting rid of Ramsey, Floyd, I mean, that kind of made you think that they were going tank mode. But, you know, they just didn't have any money to spend. So you didn't really see any free agents come in, mm-hmm. anybody notable. Uh, they didn't really have many good draft picks because they traded them for players previously to get exactly. the Super Bowl. So, I mean, Cup coming back is huge. Uh, I don't like the running game at all. I feel like it's been a huge disappointment. Uh, With Sonny, Cam Akers. Cam Akers, again, like was his, his third season now. He well, still he hasn't done really, anything. And that's crazy about Cam Akers is that, it, and uh, me being a fancy guy, you being a fancy guy, you, you know, you have this guy that's so hyped up going in, and mm-hmm. there's like, this is his year, and he comes out flat but finishes strong. And I'm sorry to, to interrupt you on that. Uh, but that's, that's no just, problem. That's I mean, just, Cam Akers has been very frustrating if you're an L.A. Mm-hmm. fan. Uh, don't trust that running game really at all. Sonny just retired, even though he was supposed to be there another year. Uh, I mean, defensively, you know, they still have a decent front seven. Anytime you have Aaron Donald in the middle, you know, you have a chance to have a decent defense. Uh, I mean, losing Ramsey in the secondary, that's tough, but they did add some uh, draft picks in the secondary. So, I mean, to me, you're looking at a five or six win team, not as bad as the Cardinals, but like you said, Sean McVay is definitely going to have to show his worth this year. I mean, there were rumors last year or in the offseason that he was going to step aside, go into TV, 
and he decided to come back. So that's crazy. You know, Sean Bay, he's a cocky guy. You know, he's a very confident coach. Uh, it, it's time to show what you can do. You know, with a marginal roster, a mediocre roster, and you show what he could do with a loaded roster, which got the Super Bowl. So you always have that. But after this year, if it were me, I'd blow it up. But I, I don't think they'll do that. And me personally, knowing the city and everything, the whole reason why they quote unquote bought that Super Bowl is because let's be real, fans over in LA for the most part are wishy washy. Right. I mean, they're they only want to see winners. Right. I mean they want you know, it now. They want they it don't now. want to wait. They no. It's and, just like the Lakers. I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, but it's frustrating. You know, you have these core pieces, guys that are young that look good. As soon as there's somebody available, they're like, oh, just trade them and yeah. trade a couple first-round picks with it. So That's yeah. how you got Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's typical L.A. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, as far as like all those trades and getting rid of them, it was severely just a salary cap dump is all it really was. They did get a lot of uh, compensation. Compensation picks. Yeah, yeah you can look at their draft. I mean, there's a I'm lot looking of at, Oh, my picks. God. I'm sitting here looking at it right now, and mm-hmm. it's just crazy. I mean, one guy that really does pop out for me is Brian Young from Tennessee. Uh, had a really had, good year last year. Had a great year last year. You know, he'll be good off the edge. Yep. You know, of course, Stetson Bennett, I think he he might not be the answer per se, but, I mean, he surprised a lot of people when he was in Georgia. Yeah, I mean, people doubt him, been doubting him his whole life. So, And I was one of those when he was at Georgia. Yeah. So, yeah, he, he might prove that he's a solid NFL quarterback. And uh, one other name that is actually popping out at me right now is actually Davis Allen, who was tied in for Clemson. You good know, player. Even though you do have Higby still out there right now, Tyler Higby, a uh, good tight end. Uh, this guy is a solid uh, backup to him. And, I mean, they, they like you said, they win a lot of defense. I mean, Zach Evans from uh, Mississippi is one that I'm looking at that's not bad. But. Yeah, Zach Evans, oh, my gosh. That guy, five-star player, you know, transferred all over the place. Got beat out at Ole Miss last year. He does have talent, mm-hmm. but he's a smaller back. And I just didn't see much out of him at Ole Miss last year. Maybe it turns around in the NFL. Oh, uh, he had 6.9 uh, yards per carry yeah. for his career at Mississippi. But yep. at the same time, like you said, it, huge recruit coming out a couple years ago. Yeah. I mean, and he, you know, if Cam Akers ever figures it out, you know, that'd be a good lightning to his thunder yep. type. Shot well, at least so. with Acres, you don't have to worry about him begging for a new contract because he hasn't earned it. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, he, he's spent most of the time sitting there watching someone else do it, like Darrell Henderson and right. stuff like that. But Darrell Henderson, of course, is not there anymore. And yeah, you know, I mean, this, this division has two really good teams at the top and two really bad ones at the bottom. Yes, and like they say, shit goes down the hill. <laughs> That's right. Number three. So one of those two teams is, of course, uh, a good favorite of mine as far as like Super Bowl contender goes, and that is San Francisco. And what may have happened if Brock Purdy did not get injured on the first drive of the NFC Championship game? I know Smash would probably try to figure that out. (laughs) The 49ers are the clear favorites to not only win the West Division, but challenge for the NFC crown this year. The offenses will be powered by the do any everything duel of Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel. And while underrated Brandon Ayuk catches passes on the outside. Then there is a defense that will only get better with Javon Hargrove getting signed from Philly. The only question the Niners have is at QB and durability that they don't have in regard to recent history that they've been dealing with that position. That said, could this be the year that Kyle Shanahan returns to Super Bowl for the second time as they challenge for the the Eagles for NFC supremacy? Man, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I had them actually beating the Eagles and getting the Super Bowl. But the more I look at it, and the more I look at the stuff with the Bosa holding out right now, um, you know, just going over the secondary losses they had this offseason, even though they still have some talented young players in the secondary. seems like they always have some guys that come out of nowhere that you haven't heard of. Uh, the thing with the quarterback Purdy, it scares me a little bit. They did bring in Sam Donald uh, to back him up just in case, but I don't see them getting to this. I don't see them getting past Philly this year. It just, in fact, I don't know if they're going to get past Seattle this year. It just, it scares me a little bit. The uncertainty at quarterback. I mean, yeah, Purdy did prove himself last year, but I don't see 
an explosive offense. I mean, I see a great running game. Good grinding De- yeah, offense. Debo last year I can, didn't have quite the year that he had the year before. Still a good player. Ayuk, I do like him. Kittle, obviously, if he can stay as healthy as a productive player. Mm-hmm. But looking at the uh, offensive line, kind of pedestrian. Not yes. a dominant offensive line like what Philly has. So, yeah, I don't see them getting past. I don't get, uh, see them getting as far as they got last year. Did they get a uh, McLarry from you guys in Atlanta? I don't believe so. I think he resigned with Atlanta. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I mean, as far as that goes, uh, one of the first questions I'd really have to ask is what was the first meeting once Jar- Javon Hargrove walked in? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he was the guy that injured Brock Purdy on yeah. the first drive. Yeah. That had to be awkward. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's a really good player. And I mean, that's basically the only thing they brought in in free agency was Hargrove. Uh, they mm-hmm. didn't really do much else. They didn't have a lot of money to work with. Did lose some guys, you know, offensive line, yes. secondary, uh, five guys from the defense. So, I mean, obviously Shanahan's a good coach. They have, they went to a Super Bowl with a less talented yeah, squad. Yeah, they definitely have. And I mean, when they had Harbaugh, they got there with less talent. But yeah. I just think the Eagles are too much for them. And maybe I keep going back and forth on it. And right, right now I'm leaning Seattle possibly. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, as far as like San Francisco goes, whenever I look at their defense, it's very front-heavy. The front mm-hmm. seven, I mean, they believe in pressure. I mean, me being a former defensive coordinator, I believe that pressure creates turnovers. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to get their turnovers. They're going to probably win this division in my eyes. Um, challenge to Philadelphia Eagles. I have the Eagles probably doing doing a little bit more, but we'll predict that after we're done with all this. Uh, as far as their offense go, uh, like you said, pretty average as far as they you know, have on their front five. I mean, Kittle's really great, but when you're talking about the offensive line, you're one of the things is I think it was Isaac Sparego uh, ended up going to Arizona about three years ago, and whenever they he left them via free agency, mm-hmm. it took a lot from that line. Yeah, it, it was a decent line last year, but I don't think it was – you look at Seattle – I'm sorry, not Seattle. We look at Philly stacked up against San Francisco's mm-hmm. offensive line. Give me Phillies all day long. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, Philly even lost a couple of people, but they're still much better as far as that goes. Now, defense wise, that front seven, it, it's scary. Oh, the defensive line is just a terror. Mm-hmm. Uh, one stat that uh, talking about Har- Hargrove had 57 pressures as a defensive tackle last season, which is twice as many as any San Francisco 49er interior defensive lineman. Which 57 is pressures is crazy mm-hmm. for a defensive tackle. Oh, yeah. You usually only get like 20, 25. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you look at the linebackers, too. Greenlaw and Warner, that's mm-hmm. a couple of really good linebackers. So that front seven is stout. Oh, I love Fred Warner. He's yeah. one of my, probably one great, of my favorite players. Great player. And as far as their uh, you know, their draft went, they actually got a pretty high mark on it. I mean, they got Cameron Latou from uh, Alabama. Yeah, good tight, tight end. end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple other people. They got Robert Beal, defensive end from Georgia. Yep, they were another team, I think, that kind of had more late later round picks. They didn't really have a lot at the top. Well, whenever you trade for people like Christian McCaffrey right. and stuff like that, they're going to take those picks. Right. And, I mean, you know, good luck to Carolina on that. Yeah, I think they'll work out everything with Bosa. I don't see that being a long holdout. I think they'll get it, you know, pretty quick. But I don't know. The the Purdy thing still scares me a little bit. When you got Darnold backing him up, I just don't trust that situation as much as proving guys at, Phil, at uh, Philadelphia, possible Seattle. So – We'll see. I just don't see them making as far as they did last year. And, you know, you like you said, as far as, like, Purdy goes, you know, I know a lot of talk about coming out of San Francisco's camp right now is, you know, he's great, he's fine, blah, blah, blah. But you kind of raise a really good point. I mean, you never know. And, you know, yeah, Sam got- Darnold had two, like, you should nail this situations, and he fell flat both times. Yep. I mean, Darnold's a guy that you look at him throwing the ball, his size, the way he throws it, he looks like he would be a good NFL quarterback, but he just hasn't put it together. I mean, USC, I loved him at USC. You know, I, saw, I could mm-hmm. see why he got picked so high, but he just hasn't proven it. So, you know. Well, he hopefully he has a better person to actually Yeah, maybe Shanahan can get yeah, it out of him. Because, I mean, you look at what he had as coaches at New York and in Carolina, and it's just straight garbage at right. that point. <laughs> Number four. All right, Seth, here we go. 
Seattle Seahawks. Last year, the Seahawks were left for dead, but then surprisingly went 6-3 and three at the start of the season behind the arm of early MVP candidate Geno Smith. As the season wore on, their defensive weaknesses started to appear, and they squeaked into the playoffs at 9-8, and eight, losing in the first round to the 49ers, 41-23. That's a beatdown. Despite yep. leading after the first half, which makes it worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Regardless, Pete Carroll and GM John Schneider deserve recognition for the great job that carried on into this season. After re-signing Geno Smith to a franchise-friendly contract, they brought back Seahawk create and future Hall of Famer in my eyes, Bobby Wagner, and signed Denver Broncos standout Draymond Jones to the defensive tackle position to kind of shore up that front end. They continued to get only better in the draft. First-round selections were cornerback Devin Weatherspoon and wide receiver Jackson Smith and Najiba. While getting shots from the sideline favorite, Zach <laughs> Cabern. Charbonnet. 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 <laughs> Love that name. It is. It's like a drink. <laughs> uh, to pair with returning Kevin Walker III. Seth, you already considered the Seahawks a dark horse to win the Super Bowl from the past discussions. Do you still think they can make it past San Francisco and Philly with the moves they have made as well? Man, <laughs> I keep going back and forth. My heart is saying yes, but I think my mind's saying no. I just think the line of scrimmage still favors San Francisco just a little bit, especially that front seven that San Francisco has. It's just so good. But I love everything that Seattle's done. I mean, from draft picks to free agency to I love Pete Carroll as a coach. They just have a really good young core. Uh, Geno Smith showed last year he can be the main man. He's got the new contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding uh, the wide receiver to what you already have with Metcalf and Lockett, that's going to be a great wide receiver core. I love Walker and Charbonnet as the duo running back. So it sounds like I'm picking them to go all the way, basically. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think just the line of scrimmage thing, Draymond Jones, that, that's a good addition, but I still think they're a little short on the defensive line. Uh, you know, they're just not quite as explosive getting to the quarterback by San Francisco. I love the secondary. I mean, when they got out, went out and got uh, Witherspoon this year, that pretty much solidified that secondary as one of the best to me, uh, as long as he can play like he did in college. Um, but – you know, it just, I don't know, having Carpenter at linebacker is an improvement at linebacker. I just don't, their offensive line has a couple young tackles that are pretty good, but mm-hmm. the interior of that offensive line is still a question mark. That, that's the only reason I'm not picking them to get past San Francisco. But like, like you said, I picked them as my dark horse Super Bowl pick. So, you know, I might change my mind in two weeks. So, you know. And we will talk about that when uh, we get to the projections and everything like that as far as what we think is going to go on. I mean, they're doing a great job. And, you know, Devin Witherspoon was probably my favorite cornerback coming out of college. And, you know, Jackson Smith, Najiba, I was all about him. I was kind of shocked that they got him where they got him. But, you know, it it actually I thought he was going to go to Baltimore. Yeah, during the draft. Yeah, he kind of slipped down a little bit, but, yeah. man, that really was a fantastic pick by Seahawks. Had a great draft. I mean, they had an outstanding draft. I mean, Charbonnet paired with Kevin Walker. That is a great one-two punch. That's not like hammer and chisel. That is hammer and hammer Yeah, as far as that goes. I was surprised Charbonnet fell that low, but watching him at UCLA, man, I mean, mm-hmm. the guy just has it. You know, yeah. he just, He's he got that factor. He didn't prove it at Michigan. He transferred to UCLA, but had a great couple years, the last two years. And you know, as far as like uh, as far as the defense goes and everything, I mean, Draymond Jones. A lot of people didn't really pay much attention to Denver because of the horrible coaching job that mm-hmm. uh, Hackett was doing down there. It, it was definitely not must see TV, but he will definitely solidify a line that at a lot of times had a lot of problems containing in the run. Yeah, they got know. beat up on the run for sure. And, you know, Bobby Wagner, of course, he's going to be there. He's going to be the brains, and he already knows the system. So you basically got a coach on the field at all times, kind of like Peyton Manning when he was, you know, good. And, you know, I, you know, when you we sit here and talk about it and everything, the one question I really have is can Geno Smith do it a second year? And That's the big question. You know, he had his big shot up there in New York, and he kind of just disappeared. Like, I don't even know where he went. I think he actually left football for a little bit before he came back. And 
Yeah, he's already got to be pushing 30 if he's not over 30. I think he's 33. Wow. About 34 now. And yeah, I mean, he kind of came out of nowhere last year. Nobody gave Seattle a chance last year, and to make the playoffs, that was really impressive, well, even though it ended yeah, ugly. it ended really ugly. And, I mean, as far as, like, Geno Smith goes, the, he really did earn the contract that he got. I mean, he played his ass off. And he really, you know, a lot of people were like, you should really go for a quarterback, and they had – plenty of chance to actually get one of them at mm-hmm. least and they chose not to which you know might work out in their favor as well yeah i think they made the right decision uh, i mean gino showed you he can do it so i mean they showed some trust in him and not a huge contract but he got a pretty good contract i mean obviously he comes back to earth this year they might be looking for a quarterback next draft and I, I could, I mean, they got so many picks from uh, the Russell Wilson trade. I mean, and Denver doesn't look like they're going to be doing much for the next two more years. So, I mean, yeah. they, and there's such a QB headed uh, draft coming up, which mm-hmm. brings me to number five. Trying to find my notes real quick. What was number five again? I'm about to tell you right. Number five, kind of going back to number one on this with the Cardinals. Do you think it's time for them to cut ties with Kyler Murray and go after Caleb Williams or some other top-notch quarterback in this year's upcoming draft? Man, he's got such a huge contract. I just don't know. What is he? Uh, five years, $230 million and guaranteed $159 million. Jeez. Yeah, I mean... I don't think he's really going to be a trade option. So I don't know how many weeks he's planning on missing this season. If he comes back this season, has a good season, shows some mental resolve, you know, shows some toughness, then I don't think I'd let him go. But, you know, it's it's so tough right now with a team like that. He's not going to have a lot to work with. But, you know, Caleb Williams obviously is sitting out there and Arizona sure looks like the the number one pick next year. So, I think it just all depends on what you get out of Carly this year. I mean, I think it's too early right now to pull the trigger on giving up on him. I mean, he's he's shown he's good. He just usually at the end of the season just gets beat down yeah. and doesn't have much left. And I mean, he I mean, it's hard to really come back from an ACL injury, especially when you're such a quick and quirky player like he does. I mean, he cuts on dimes. I mean, he's phenomenal to watch yep. when he's on he's fun, it. For when, sure. But that's if he's on it. And when I say that, I mean, there was a clause put into his contract, if I remember correctly, where, you know, he also likes to play COD Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. And that really took a, you know, when that first came out, his play came down too. And, you know, it, I, I want to see the young man re- like succeed, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do it. And, you know, Jonathan Gannon, uh, defensive-minded coach, you know, I, is it going to be the ki- type of quarterback that he wants? We don't know because mm-hmm. Kyler Murray was basically drafted to fit Cliff Kingsbury's system. Right. And, yeah. you know, he has such a stor- short stature. I think he's like 5'9", five, 5'10". Five, and, you know, typical proto- uh, prototype quarterback is about 6'2", 6'3", 215. I mean, he's got the weight – yeah, he doesn't like to sit in the pocket like Drew Brees. No, he doesn't. Know, and he likes, he's like a jitterbug. He likes to get outside the pocket, throw on the run. Uh, but that's always an injury risk, you know, when you have that kind of size and you run that much. So it's really tough. Like you said, he was drafted for that offense. Now you've got a completely different offense. So it's, it's going to be interesting because that's a bad team and you don't know how, if he's going to be 100% when he comes back. So there's a lot of factors going into it. it it'll be, very interesting to see which way this goes. Yeah, I just don't think you give up on him yet. You just you paid him so much money. Yeah, no, and that would be the one thing I think that actually will save him. But at the same time, if you, you know, you're looking at it as a, he signed that contract last year, so he's got four more years. And mm. you know, like you said, there's there's not going to be anyone that's going to want to really trade a guy that is had as many battled as many injuries as he has Mm -hmm. and as who has taken such a beating, but how often are you going to be able to actually get that next guy? You know? Yeah. My, my thing about may is one of the guys that really pop up as the number one pick next year. uh, To me, that would probably be the direction I would go 
uh, Caleb Williams. He's a fantastic quarterback and athlete, but he reminds me so much of Murray, just a little bit taller. So that would be a a tough sell to eat that much money and then draft somebody that's very similar to Murray. So, yeah, I think May would – if I was going that direction, I think May would be where I would go. Yeah. I mean, dude has – The more traditional, taller quarterback. Yeah, and still has wheels, so. Yep, yeah, he does. So number six – So what are you? Uh, we kind of already kind of figured it out, but what are your predictions on this division? Man, it's so tight, the top two. But like I said, I'm sticking with San Francisco because of that front seven, mm-hmm. just so dominant. Uh, so I got San Francisco, obviously Seattle number two, you know, by a wide margin. Yeah. Uh, I like the Rams at maybe like six, seven wins possibly, uh, as long as they can stay healthy, Stafford and Cup, uh, and then like we just talked about the Cardinals just. Yeah, just dumpster the, fire. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I don't think they have a chance to win more than three or four games, but they're looking at the number one pick. So, yeah. I mean, FC West, you got two teams. Should both make the playoffs. Yeah. And I mean, me personally, the way I look at it is I could see San Francisco going with like 11 or 12 wins. Uh, Seattle's right there with them. You know, I think there's going to be a couple of real big games between the two. Oh, it should be two great games yeah. between those two. And I mean, they're going to probably be like nine. Well, I'd say more like ten wins. Yeah, I don't season. think they like each other either. It's a no. it's a good rivalry yes, between those two. Great rivalry. Uh, Rams. Hmm. I could see six wins, maybe. Uh, that that's a huge maybe. But I, you know, I don't even know if Arizona's going to get three. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'm pretty much counting Arizona as two of the Rams' wins. So <laughs> you just need to get about four, four yeah. more. Four, yeah, get four more from someone. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and as far as the Cardinals go, I, I think two wins, maybe. Um, Possibly one. Very likely. Very possible. And I mean, it, it depends on when Kyler could come back. I mean, they got it, you know, you got rid of his best option at offensive weapon. I mean, which, you know, made no sense to me. But, you know, it sometimes. Just know when to. I mean, with Hopkins, Hopkins, I think it was the right time. I mean, I think it's similar to the Julio Jones situation. The Falcons right. weren't going anywhere. You know, they were kind of starting over. So it's they like. They at least pulled the trigger. Yeah. I mean, the guy's towards the end of his career. Why keep him on a team that's going nowhere? At least give him a chance to go somewhere that he might be able to make the playoffs. So you send him to Tennessee? Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> They, at least they have a shot. Well, I mean, that's where Julio went. That's where Randy that was not a good, Moss went. Yeah, I guess that's not a good comparison. Brandon, Robert Woods. I mean, every single one of those guys, I mean, they went to straight. Yeah, the Titans have been a graveyard for older receivers. Mm, for sure. God knows. Well, that pretty much does it with the six-pack. Thanks for sipping this out for us. And we'll be back in a little bit. Went down smooth. So smooth. Uh, we'll be back with Seth's Hot Topics. Ooh. New name. Sizzling. Ooh, it's getting hot in here. Mm. So spicy. Open those windows. Yeah, just like uh, Nelly. It's getting hot in here. Welcome to Seth's Hot Topics. Seth, what you got for us today, bro? Well, I'm sticking with that SEC theme that I've been on the last couple weeks. You know, we talked about the transfers the previous two weeks. I don't know why, but this week I just started thinking about this terrible coaching hires right. uh, in the last 20 years, basically around, you know, 2000 to present day. Uh, there's been some bad ones, you know, some really bad ones like Joker Phillips for Kentucky is one name that just comes to mind. But at that time you were talking about Kentucky, you know, they're not what they are now, a respectable team. So I didn't put him on this list, but we'll jump right into it. Number five, we got Will Muschamp. So Muschamp, obviously he was the coaching waiting at Texas, decided to jump at that Florida job, uh, you know, where he did pretty average there. Had one good season. I believe he went 11-2 one season, so not mm-hmm. bad, but got fired after about three years at Florida. So I think a lot of people were kind of up in arms while they would hire him at South Carolina since he didn't really do that well at Florida. So he comes in and does pretty average the first year. Second year, decent, 9-4. and four. Next two years, just, you know, just Tanks it. nothing. Yeah. So yeah. came in and I think did a decent job recruiting, especially on the defensive side. He just never could work out the offensive side, just like at Florida. Never could get that big-time quarterback and the OC that just kind of fit. Uh, just didn't work out for him there. Uh, but then number four, I've got a guy that a lot of people probably forgot about, Ron Zook, the Zooker. <laughs> <laughs> so Ron Zook, you know, just 
basically known as a great recruiter. They got him from the New Orleans Saints as an assistant after Spurrier retired, comes in, basically takes a team that's like a top three program and immediately drives them straight into mediocrity. Yes. He got about, what, three seasons where they were eight and five, seven and six. Uh, you know, won a couple of decent games against Tennessee and Georgia his mm-hmm. first couple of years, but just lost to teams they shouldn't lose to as Florida, Ole Miss, you know, Arkansas, those kind of games. So and, uh, there was a, we had to restart because basically I forgot to start recording again. But uh, I told Seth the first memory I had of Ron Zook was like all these players, all the Florida players were standing around the bench getting hyped and everything. And he really just gets down there, rip, like kind of like unbuckles his shirt a little mm-hmm. bit, pops out about 10 reps of 225 and just like, yeah, head starts chest bumping yep. everyone. That's when you know you made the wrong choice, <laughs> head coach. I mean, he reminds me of Ed Orgeron, you know, just doesn't have the national title to show right. for it. Right. So, I mean, they got rid of him after three years. Three years basically is the cutoff, you know, if you're not doing a great job. And what's kind of crazy about this is I, I know that uh, Seth kind of went with Will Muschamp with South Carolina, but also kind of Florida. Tell me you're a Tennessee fan without telling me you're a Tennessee fan. Ooh. <laughs> Man, Tennessee's had some bad choices. <laughs> oh, trust me. I'm leading into one after this one. <laughs> So, number three, I've got Derek Dooley. (laughs) I knew it. Oh, my God. Mr. Orange Pants himself. (laughs) Yep, yep. You got to have good shower habits, though, to play for Dooley. Yes, you do. We were the cleanest team around back then. (laughs) So, I mean, the guy's the son of a legend, obviously. Vince Dooley came into a really tough situation after the Lane Kiffin debacle. Kiffin, Mm -hmm. you know, left in the middle of the night. That just was rough. Bastard. So, that pretty much ruined the recruiting for that season. Dooley came in, tried to salvage it. Uh, I mean, he came in and... You know, the hopes weren't too high, but he did okay, I think, at one of those Louisiana schools. And yeah, they didn't really have a choice. I mean, nobody was going to take the job at that point with only a couple mm-hmm. weeks left in recruiting season. So the big thing for me with him is he goes 0-9 against the big three of Florida, Bama, and Georgia, which was basically his death knell. Uh, he won some games against the mediocre programs. It had a bunch of se- you know, three seasons of like, you know, five and seven, six and six. So... His offenses were fine. They scored a lot of points. Uh, Tyler Bray was the quarterback back then, but defensively, they just couldn't find the right, you know, the right mix. They just didn't have the talent. Brought in Sal Sinceri from Alabama, and it was a mm-hmm. complete disaster. So he was done after a quick three years, also. And that, I try to forget that era. Uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I have another coach that you could probably throw in, but we'll finish up with your list first before I mention him. Oh, there's plenty of. You could probably do a top five of Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just endless. But yeah. So number two, I've got Brian Harson. Brian Harson, one of the quickest tenures in the history of the SEC, a year and a half, went out, you know, West Boise State, where he had a great career out there. Mm-hmm. Brought him in from the West and had no experience. In I the remember South. him now. Yeah, just no experience at SEC at all. Uh, didn't have you know the reputation as a great recruiter, which he showed. He came in, didn't really do much in recruiting, very mediocre, which is the lifeblood of any program. He came in, I think, and was like five and seven, maybe it was six and seven his first season there, and didn't even make it halfway into the second season before they let him go. Just didn't have the fans just never accepted him really. I mean, he just didn't have the glowing personality. You know, he he didn't get out there and just beat the bushes at recruiting like Kirby does. So it was a pretty quick tenure for Brian Harson, and, and now you got Hugh Freeze. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of people don't realize is that you know. As far as the SEC goes, it's a different beast. And I remember like how some coaches talk about like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to replicate the same success that you had anywhere else in the SEC. The be- it is the best of the best for a reason, mm-hmm. even though they pay the third most amount of money, you know, in TV deals. Yeah, it was just surprising. <laughs> uh, I mean, Harson, you look at his track record at uh, Boise State, oh, he has some it. great seasons. Yeah. So, you know, I don't blame Auburn for taking a chance on the guy, but you just – you got to know a guy is just a relentless recruiter when you bring somebody in from outside the SEC. If they don't understand that, it's never going to make it. It's never going to work. And when he was at Boise State, I mean, you got to think about it. You know, Oregon Oregon wasn't really a powerhouse at that point. Washington wasn't really doing that much. No. Boise State was pretty much it outside of USC. Yeah. And, you know, it's as far as that goes, I mean, they had another great coach as far as, I think, Chris Peterson. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know, they've had several. Yeah, they've had some great coaches. But as far as like anyone around there, you you pretty much have to lay the land with all the surrounding states in that area. You got Montana, Idaho, you know, 
eastern eastern uh, Washington, yeah. Oregon. That's all your spot. And you know, now you came down to Auburn where you have to compete Huge against expectations. Alabama and Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, Tennessee, you know, you got them blue bugs now. Yep. Yeah, you're playing with the big boys and he just wasn't he ready. wasn't ready for it. He wasn't ready. So moving on to our number one choice. I mean, this is a dubious honor, but this one goes to Arkansas for the hire of Chad Morris. Chad Morris just absolutely just train wreck. Came in, I think he was a coordinator for Clemson for a little while, then went over to SMU, came head coach. Had a couple pretty good seasons at SMU. And Arkansas was kind of in a tough situation, too. They had to make a quick choice. So he comes in after Brett Belima, who I thought Brett Belima did a decent job at Arkansas. He had a couple, you know, bad average seasons and they cut him loose, but uh, bringing in Morris who, you know, coached the more wide open spread offense right. came in and was stuck with a Brett Lima offense that was designed for power football. So it was kind of, you know, round, a square peg round hole situation. It just didn't work at all. He ends up going four and 18 in his two years, which is like Vanderbilt horrible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that lasted about two years and they, you know, axed him. And now they're back to more of a traditional like power football team with Sam Pittman. So it just was a terrible decision to begin with. And I hate to give Chad Morris the number one spot, but you deserve it, buddy. <laughs> Do you think they would rather have him or your boy, Petrino? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Petrino has some good seasons at Arkansas. I mean, he obviously did. it ended bad for him, but man, I mean, it, there's just looking at the list. PR nightmare. There's some terrible coaching hires. And I just couldn't decide on five. I just had to pick five. Easily, you could put in some other some other guys in here, like Mike Shula. Mike Shula. I mean, for Alabama standards, yes. Yeah. But I don't consider Mike Shula a total train wreck. I feel like he had a de- couple. Didn't he have a ten win season? That was because he had a Heisman Award winning Sean Alexander well, running I mean, the ball. I mean, <laughs> he still recruited him, didn't he? Or unless somebody no, else did. Someone else did. And uh, the guy that recruited him, I I want to say his name was. Uh, And, you know, like we were just talking about, uh, Mike Schiller, we had to stop for a second to discuss this, but uh, he had uh, Sean Alexander as his cowbell and pretty much rode him to a 10-3 and three season. He had an overall marking of 27-23, and 23, but 10 now, points. I mean, out. while we're talking about bad coaches, how about the fact that you've got Gene Chizik, Les Miles, mm-hmm. Ed Orgeron, all with national titles? Would you consider any of those three a good coach? Not not a great coach, even a good coach. I would actually like Ed Algeron because he uh, could actually three. pump up his team. Okay. Yeah, I mean, great recruiter. Yes. Definitely gets you pumped up, runs through a wall. But yeah. the three of those guys have national titles all you know, in the last 20 years is insane to me. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy because you look outside those seasons, Les Miles, Chiswick, Orgeron, very mediocre records. Outside of the national title seasons. Well, remember when Auburn almost rode to Gus Bus all the way to the national title? Yeah, I mean, they I ran into Jimbo Fisher, I believe. I would take Gus all day long over Gene Chizik. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Pretty much Cam Newton just put that whole team on his yes, on his did. back. <laughs> uh, the only thing I re- uh, Seth also asked, is there anything we want to touch up on and everything like that? Now, just doubling back to what we first started off with the realignment and everything, one of the things that we brought up uh, earlier – uh, was, of course, you know, the fact that there's no regional rivalries and there's only one school out there that we can both agree on that actually has it. And even my wife, who calls all sports sports ball, <laughs> knows this for fact, and it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the lone ranger out there, they just yeah. have their own TV deal so they can just call their own shots. I mean, they do have that, you know, what, five-year deal to ACC where they play a handful of teams each year. And everything but football. And the reason why, I mean, they got such a lucrative deal with their own deal and everything like that. I mean, Catholics love them some uh, Notre Dame. I mean, I like some Notre Dame, but when you're playing teams and you have rivalries with, you know, University of South uh, Southern California, uh, Michigan is actually one of the newer ones. They also have a big rivalry with Purdue and all that. I mean, it's, you know, I, I can understand what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Notre Dame, I think this year is going to be huge for them because, you know, you've got a brand-new quarterback, mm-hmm. a second-year head coach that needs to have a big season. You know, Brian Kelly was a fabulous coach there. 
and they still couldn't get the national title. So, you know, they, they need to have a big season for sure. We'll see how far that uh, arm from uh, Wake Forest takes them, Mr. Hartman. I like Sam Hartman, for sure. I think that's an upgrade of that position. No. But uh, one more thing, the uh, Hall of Fame game tomorrow, you got any predictions on uh, Browns and Jets? Oof. Uh, well, I think you already told me, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to take one snap. <laughs> uh, as far as, like, folks, if you ever get a chance to actually go to the Hall of Fame, do it. Uh, it is a total treat. Uh, you, and as far as the stadium to play in, it ain't like your typical NFL stadium where you're like 30 yards away from the action. Uh, you're right up on them. You're basically high-fiving them. It's like a four or five-foot wall, excuse me, at the very end. But as far as I could think, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to go Jets. 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 Big green. Big green. Yep. Big green. How about yourself? I mean, I don't think you're going to see much of the starters tomorrow, but it's football. You know, you're going to see football on TV for the first time in months. So You know what? I won't change that. I'm going to go Browns. Wow. Because flip-flopping on me. Yeah, I flip-flopped on you. I'm sorry, but uh, I, I just Chubb going to carry the rot 30 times. <laughs> they want that win. I mean, well, you got to kind of think Cannon is kind of in the backyard to Cleveland. So That's true. But, uh, yeah, no, if you ever get a chance, uh, me and my wife, actually, we went up to see Peyton Manning get inducted. It was a total ball. God, I'm jealous. And uh, we've talked about going up to see J.J. Watt inducted as well by his jersey and uh, put it up on my wall in here. And only thing is, is that uh, Tom Brady's retiring that year, too. Mm. Couldn't care less <laughs> about that one. So, you good, man? Yeah, man. All Fun right. Show. Good show. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday. Uh, we'll talk about some other things. Uh, please, by all means, hit auto-download for us. That way uh, it'll come up, and uh, we'll yell at you later. Have a good night. Night.